Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we take two pieces of media and we have a lot of fun and scam everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. We're going to talk about The Great Pretender. It just came out on Netflix. Well, not just. June 10th, 2020. And I think I noticed it about two, three weeks ago. That's not bad. That's pretty recent. Yeah. And I think it was only, what? 12 episodes, they're going to have another batch in September 21st. So, in 2020? Yeah. Oh. That's why it was only that many episodes. So, it is a scam comedy or a setup comedy? <laughs> it's about con people. Con. Confidence people. Yeah, totally. It is created by Wit Studio, and they are also known for doing Attack on Titan, which. A lot of people love it. I don't. <laughs> I haven't seen it, so I don't know what that means. You could watch <laughs> it on your own. I refuse because I could tell when a series is going to last forever. I could just sense it. And, it and that's not like, okay. Well, not when it's like some weird power up anime. Like dragged out, you mean? Like, like Dragon Ball drag Z. It well, it was like the I don't know 500 episodes and one episode or three episodes will be them of the main character just powering up. I call them power up animes because they always power <laughs> up to some new level. Oh. And Attack on Titan is kind of like that. There's like these weird zombie giants and one human happens to be able to turn into it in this weird way, but there's different levels of them. And, so it's yeah. like watching a video game. Kind of um, like watching video <laughs> games. So anyway. But The Great Pretender is what? Not that. It's not that at all. But when I was first watching it, it kind of reminded me of... Um, oh, God, I, I forget the name now. I know what it reminded me of. That really good anime that we both loved. Cowboy Bebop. It reminded me of Cowboy Bebop. So I had to look to see if it was done by anybody who did Cowboy Bebop. Nope. So It wasn't? Okay, I was going to ask you that. Because I think that I would say it's the same genre. Yeah. Like they, they're they the same style of Kind of same style. Storyline. Right, exactly. So the anime was directed. Oh, we got a new cast member here. So we practice our Japanese and stop butchering people's names. Well, yeah, I'm beginning to feel really bad on butchering people's names myself (laughs) because I have to do the edits 
And then when I do the edits, I listen to it. I'm like, oh, dude. Does um, Duolingo have Japanese yet? I don't know. We'll have to find it. We're going to find an app. I'm using We're do it. Google Translate. So okay. here it is in Japanese. Hirokaburagi. <laughs> or in English. Hirokaburagi. <laughs> Sounds drunk. A little drunk, yeah. So Hiro Kaburagi or it's Hideko. It's a drunk translator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's a little drunk. But yeah, that's who directed it. Hiro. And then it was directed by... Oh, boy. Okay. I should make you try it first and then translate okay. it. Song Jing Zou. Hmm. Song Jing Zou. Pretty close. Okay, let's hear what it sounds like in English. Song Jing Joe. Okay. Song Jing Joe. Perfect. Okay. That's the director. That is who produced it. Oh, the producer. Yeah. Okay. It was written. Oh, okay. Maybe you're right. I'm going to say it first and then I'm going to. This is the fun it's game. It's good. Compare. Ryota Kusawa. Okay, here we go. Ryota Kusawa. Okay. Ryota yeah. Kosawa. You sound in between the <laughs> Japanese and the English say. version. So <laughs> I don't think you're doing that bad. I, I or you're I'm pissing not. off two groups of people. I don't know. <laughs> and of course, the music is pretty important because mm -hmm. it's so prevalent in there. And it is done by Yutaka Yamada. Ikara Yamada. Mm. Yutaka Yamada. I sound like a mix between the both. Okay. Yeah, well, it's good. Not bad. All right. All right. There is a manga and it's still going on. And that is written by, I already did that, Ryota Kusawa. And it's, it's illustrated because the, yeah, the art's amazing too. So Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Daiachi Mori. Beatboxer Marui. Oh, wow. I was way off on that one. Daiachi Marui. <laughs> Marui. <laughs> This is fun, actually. So that's the illustrator of the manga and also the animation? Yeah. No? Both? Uh, yes, it's, it's written by the same person, definitely. I meant like the drawing. They're using his drawings, but it doesn't say... Like who the art people are? No. It just says Wit Studio. So that's probably oh. somebody from Wit Studio. Okay. Okay. The team. Yes. So the best way I could explain... The Great Pretender, if you've seen a lot of different movies, is if you're into, say, Ocean's Eleven, you'll definitely like this one because it's kind of like this whole entire setup anime. And then they kind of scam somebody who's really corrupt and then they give some of the money to the poor, to the good. Yeah. Loosely based. I, I could kind of see it kind of doing that that's the general idea yeah the, the very general very general yeah it follows okay so i gotta admit too that this is actually a little bit hard to watch a second time I, the first time i watched it it was a quick watch i watched it just non-stop but the second time i already knew all the tricks that were going to happen so i couldn't really grasp it as much except for some small things and it follows this character named Edamame or Edamura. They always call him Edamame after the food, which is so f 
<laughs> and cute. He is a con man. He was always hoping to find a good job, but because his father, he was a lawyer beforehand and he was helping out some corrupt people, it kind of rubbed off on him so he couldn't find a good job anywhere, unfortunately. And his mom is very ill and he was hoping to find a job to pay for her medical bills. He got in a lot of trouble, unfortunately. And so he ended up just becoming a, a confidence man or a con man and he got set up himself to work with someone named Laurent to work with him. And Laurent is kind of technically training him to become someone like him in a way. And the first three stories that are out right now, they're all just set up animes. They have the plot, who are they going to con, or it's just this whole entire setup. But Laurent always seems like he's four or five steps ahead of everybody else. But no one who works with him like him that much, which is kind of funny. I think he's very likable. Yeah, nobody likes Laurent. And also what's interesting is, I always want to call him Edamame too. Like I was going to try and call him by his real name, his nickname, Edamame. He is really talented in Japan. Laurent's from France. And so it's kind of like an international team. And there's Cynthia. Is she from? I don't know where she's from. She looks American or yeah, British yeah. or something. And then... Yeah, maybe England. Maybe England. Yeah. And then there's... Who's the last Abigail. person? What's her? Abigail. And she seems to be from the Middle East. Yeah. And she was actually a soldier in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And so she has sometimes some... Trauma from that. Yeah, she's like PTSD. Yeah, PTSD. She's really tough. So they have like this interesting international team. So, like you said, the stories are kind of like they move around the world to these other places. Laurent and Cynthia seem like they have a lot of money. Yeah, they're like filthy rich. After the first heist that they did, I think Adamame should have had a lot of money, but he just gave it all away because he's just this weird. He's trying very hard to be good. But yes, he's trying to be good. Yeah, he's yeah, because he he got yeah he it wasn't his first choice to be in this kind of world, but he's good at it. He is and, really good at it, but he just yeah. needs a little bit more direction, which Laurent is always trying to help him with that. But Edamame doesn't want to listen. No, Edamame wants an honest job. Yeah, like, he, that's his goal in life: is have a simple life and an honest <laughs> job. But he's he's a good person. Yeah. But in the scams. They end up helping people. So it's like... They're yeah. kind of like Robin Hood kind of, exactly. of a group. It's so, definitely. Yeah. And my favorite part in the first couple episodes, or the first episodes, if you have it in English, it looks like it's going to be English and they're talking in Japanese. Edamura has really bad English. And it's only the first 10 minutes that you notice he has really bad English. And then it stops. And it's like, okay, we're going to translate everything into English now. And it, from then on, his English is better. Yeah, but yet they still make fun of his yeah. English in the episodes. He has no accent. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the fir- you're right. The first episode, everyone has accents. Like even Laurent yeah, yeah. is French. It, then after that, yeah, it they freezes change. and it says, it goes, it goes, ding. For now on, it's going to be translated in English. 
that was like this weird joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. I have to say one of the things I loved about it was how colorful it is. Oh, God. The art so is cool. so beautiful. It's like these bright colors. It's not gray at all. A lot of greens and pinks and purples like this it's very vibrant yeah it's really nice yeah art style does kind of remind me of like carol and tuesday that's why i was kind of convinced that they did it um in cowboy bebop for sure well cowboy bebop a big part of it that reminds me of just like the camaraderie amongst like an unlikely of people like that kind of so it's not all romantic. It's more like friendships and building these relationships and things. And right, um, but like, yeah, like people who are outside of society, like they're just like yeah, they're so kind of a ragtag like. group of people, motley yeah. crew per se. Yeah, so <laughs> yes, they keep finding right. each other. They're connected. So that was the yeah, Bebop, yeah, I and think. I, Laurent is definitely the ringleader. Like every single scenario or everybody that they decided that they wanted to rip off. He knew already that how they're going to do it and everything. And whenever they think they have this one up on Laurent, he already knew that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking forward to the next uh, 12 episodes or whatever. Yeah. And they do, like, they're like um, heists or whatever or scams. Yeah. They last, it's not one per episode. So it's, it, oh, right? yes, like very it true. runs, which is different too from Cowboy Bebop, which is kind of, for the most part, would wrap up in one episode. Yeah. So you, so it's a little bit more in depth on like character background. Like they focus on one of the, yeah. Sometimes they'll focus on who they're going to rip off or their antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it protagonist? The bad guys, the they're antagonist. Bad guy. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah they're, whoever they're going to rip off, they're antagonists. They focus on them and why they're disgusting or why people don't like them. And I like that. I like the character development. And then it's just after they rip them off, that's it. They're gone. <laughs> Let's see. So who would we recommend this to? If you like Ocean's Eleven, I think you'd like this. <laughs> and if you like Cowboy Bebop, I think and Cowboy like Bebop, this. yes, because that's yeah. And don't get mad if you're like it's not as perfect as Cowboy Bebop. It's just similar. Like there's a vibe to it. That there is you'll a enjoy. very similar. Even the art style to me, like the characters, they kind of remind me of Cowboy Bebop. So yeah, if you like that, you'll kind of get the same vibe out of it. But don't watch it more than once. Yeah, I get what you mean because then all the it's kind of fun. it's fun when you watch it. And you don't know what's going to happen because when you watch it, it, there's always this new surprise that's going to happen in about 15 minutes or at the end of the episode. And when you already know what's going on, then you're not going to be surprised about anything. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, you're right. If you like Cowboy Bebop and mesh it in with Ocean's Eleven, I think you'll mm-hmm. like this one because that's yeah, what that Ocean's Eleven is all about. It's just like setup. This big, huge setup with the, all these crazy movie stars. That's one thing I didn't like about it. But it was, it's just a setup. <laughs> and then once they yes. rip this person off, it's like done. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It wasn't a quick watch. Yes. Days. <laughs> Couple of days. It took me like two days. But don't like don't do something and watch it because I did that. And you have I to do- pay attention. 
Yeah, I do rewatch one of the. I was like, oh, wait a minute. That was a flashback the whole time. What? Like, yeah. <laughs> so don't try to multitask it like I was trying to do. Like, some stuff you can do that with, but this one, they're building backstories and then you're going to miss something. <laughs> yeah. And one of the reasons why I'm not going into the plot too much is because it is three different storylines. And I don't really want to ruin it for anybody. No, I think that's. You got to go in open minded. And you'll definitely like it. Yeah. So did Bart like it? He didn't watch it, did he? He didn't really watch it, but he did like the beginning. Oh, the beginning's so he funny. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was so good. Because he's, like, hanging upside down from the Hollywood sign or something. Oh. He's like, this one looks good. So. <laughs> okay. so, And he liked the colors. Like, the art is really uh, stunning. So at least watch one episode just to see how cool their art is. Yeah, but I think if you watch one episode, it's not going to grab you. Right away. Uh, it's a, oh, yeah, I guess you want to watch the first three. Yeah, you actually have to watch the first storyline, which is three, four episodes. Mm-hmm. It will grab you, I think. Yeah. So check it out. We recommend it. I'm glad Netflix picked it up and introduced it to the world. And it was a great translation. Mm-hmm. I can't say anything more good about it. <laughs> I know. I'll, I feel like I'll just be be repeating myself nonstop. <laughs> so it gets our five stars. <laughs> yes, we have a rating system now. Five no. stars. We just make it up each time. <laughs> we make it up every time. We yeah. need to come up with we give everything five stars, or yeah. sometimes it's just watch it, or other times it's just like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> I hate we'll it. We'll have to come up with a system. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we gaslight things. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee. And this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. Hey, podcast fans, I'm Jeff Davis. Through the safety of your earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, or car stereo, join me as I venture out on the wine road. Aiden offers up practical and helpful tips to help you live a more joyful life. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed on a whim on a lonely Wednesday. Storygram Network. And we are back, and we're going to talk about Rain Dogs by Tom Waits, or Tom Waits' Rain Dogs. It is under the genre of experimental rock, which I kind of agreed with that. It was released September 30th of 1985. The one before it was Swordfish Trombones, and then in 87 he released Frank's Wild Years. It's 19 tracks. 
and it's 53 minutes and 46 seconds, so it's not that long at all. Unfortunately, this album is kind of hard to find. It used to be on Spotify. Hello, it's Takeshi from the future here. So it turns out that Spotify got the rights to Rain Dogs again, and I ended up re-recording the tracks on here because I didn't like the sound of the files that we got from Amazon. So, yes, I do sandbag Spotify and Amazon a lot on here, but do know that it is on Spotify now. You can listen to Rain Dogs on Spotify right now as we speak. So just disregard what I say about Spotify. Well, kind of. Anyway, back to the show. But then something happened. I don't know what happened. We couldn't find it anymore, and they only have something called the Island Years, which is a compilation of some of his music from Rain Dogs. And we had to go all the way to Amazon Music, which I know some people don't like Amazon, but I live in Sonoma. And sometimes I can't find here. So the only way for me to get anything is through Amazon, unfortunately. Or we have to travel 30 to 45 minutes outside of Sonoma just to go to a bigger store. It drives me insane. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah so especially. Yeah. It's on Amazon Music, which is nice to have another streaming, yes. I guess, platform. I probably have it in the Yeah, function. I think if you have Amazon Prime, you get quite a few albums, but I was thinking about what other albums should we review. Then I looked up Coil love secret domain and unfortunately i had to pay like a 7.99 a month thing so no (laughs) it's in the collection so we'll have to pull it out one of these days this album is in prime like it's free this album is if you have prime it's not free but you know what i mean you're paying amazon a yearly yeah, you know, I don't know when when I have to pay my bill for that because I think if you they don't just tell buy you, they enough, just take the money. I never notice it. It's once a year. I know, but I think if you'll you, notice it. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll keep an eye out. Maybe I will. Um, okay, so that's a rain dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it is <Sorry>. the eighth <laughs> studio album. <laughs> it was recorded in New York. And it's about the urban, reminds me of New Orleans. Or personally, I listened to this album during a rainy season. So it's a little hard to listen to this when it's really sunny out. That's just me. Some weird facts about this. Keith Richards helped out with some of Rolling Stones fame. He helped out with guitars on this, at least five or six songs. And then Mark Ribot, Ribot? Ribbit, R-I-B-O-T. Ribbit? <laughs> ribbit? like ribbit. Uh, <laughs> I like ribbit. Okay. He's like a frog. Okay, fine. I'm just going to say ribbit. Here's the other guitarist. He's a very well-known studio guitarist. This was actually in the top 200 U.S. billboards. It was 129 and number 188 in the... 1989 top billboards. There we go. Hopefully that came out. In 2012, it was 399 of one of the greatest albums of all time. And I'll agree with that. (laughs) Easily. 
I was reading a little bit about this album and it took him about two months to write and he was living in New York at the time in between Washington and Harito Streets in Manhattan and it was just like really rough and a block from the river and he was just kind of very inspired to do it over there. He would record weird ambient sounds from around New York and around that subject matter. And he would actually bring in a whole bunch of weird instruments from the bathroom or whatever, or around his house. And they'd just bang on it as a progressive instrument because he was never really satisfied with just regular stock sounds in the studio. I guess there was a couple times when they were mixing the drums and he wasn't happy with it. And the guy who was mixing it was like, for Christ's sake, then why don't you just go over to your bathroom where you want that one sound and bring it over or record it over there. And so that's what they did. Nice. (laughs) Where is Tom Waits originally from? Northern California. Is it Pomona? Is that Northern? That's kind of like... Or is that Southern? Southern. Okay. That, yeah, yeah. It's more towards Los Angeles, but he lives in Northern California now. My bad. Mm-hmm. My bad. He's uh, like your neighbor, right? Yeah, pretty much. He's, <laughs> he's in our area, uh, Northern yeah. California. I'm not going to say where he lives, but whenever he goes anywhere in the Santa Rosa area, all of a sudden it becomes like this new hipster dive. I feel really bad for him. <laughs> Any bar or coffee shop him or Les Claypool hang out in in Northern California is just all of a sudden, oh, well, really they popular. have fans. They People have a lot like of fans. Them. That's they great. They want to be around them. Too bad. I don't feel bad for them. This album, I know this album from an ex really like this album. Really? And so I was trying not to be like, ugh, like that. <laughs> oh, really? I bought it for you for your birthday one time, I think. I have it. Yeah. I just know that's maybe that's why we were listening to it so much. I just <laughs> brought me back to a weird time. So oh, I was like, sorry. Mm-hmm. and then I was also like, how weird Tom Waits is. Like, I'm oh, like, yeah. his music very... is so strange. And I don't necessarily care for it in some ways because it's very vaudevillian and silly and hobo y. But at the same time, the sounds, like when you said, oh, well, he wanted this sound from this room exactly. I'm like, there's something very compelling about, like, yeah. it draws you into his music. It's very storyteller. If he was recording it normally or he was a different type of singer, which we're going to get into that part a little bit because there is a song that became a hit for some strange reason, Mm -hmm. that it would just be kind of normal kind of blues music. But because it's Tom Waits and the way he does it, it's totally unique. He is really unique. When he said he's experimental rock, I'm like, that doesn't really describe what he does. It's like really hard to describe his... Yeah, well, they can't put him under rock or blues, so I think that's why they call it experimental rock. It should just be called Tom Waits music, personally. That's that's what his genre should be. I'm going to go back, and I remember when we first started hanging out, and a young Santos (laughs) wanted to make a hobo band... Yes. And then my first recommendation to you was Tom Waits. Yeah. And I think I recorded you also Swordfish Trombone, which is a little bit more basic. Okay. But this one's way more complex. So, yeah, I was just going to 
reminisce about that. Yes. <laughs> you wanted to play to. like a jug band. A jug band, yes. Yes. Maybe one day. One day it'll happen. <laughs> but you're right. Tom Waits is kind of like jug band music. He is super <laughs> hobo. He creates weird characters. He's a weird character in these. Like, so I was thinking like Bowie has characters, but Bowie is so good at emotions that like, he just draws me in. Yeah. Whereas Tom Waits, he creates a weird fantasy world or something. Yeah, he has like the way his characters are and the way his storytelling is. It's like he's talking about this weird nostalgic New Orleans in a sense, but you're seeing it definitely through his eyes is the only way I can explain. He's so good at storytelling. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite pictures of rock stars together and you would never see him at all is Tom Waits and David Bowie. And David Bowie is stardust and Tom Waits still looks like a hobo. <laughs> See that it is one That's of the most amazing. amazing pictures in the whole entire world because Tom Waits has never really changed. He's stuck to his style and his hobo style with the hat and the old style looking suit. <laughs> yeah, he's very old timey. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like it's like he's weirdly old timey, but then like I said, the sound you can't deny. Like there's something very cool about his music. I'd love to see Tom Waits live, but whenever there's even an inkling of a chance or something that's saying Tom Waits is going to play, say at the Fillmore or the Warfield, it sells out within five minutes. Oh, I've been trying to see him for over twenty years now. Wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so, what are your? I want to know what your favorite songs are, and I want to know what the hit was. Like, what became a hit off this? Oh, yes, that's pretty. That's so funny. Oh my god, I liked him as an actor too. Oh yeah, he's in Pet Cemetery. He's in a couple other ones too, though. <laughs> so one of my favorite songs is "Tingle Tilt." They are sore. I've never read these out loud. <laughs> Play that terror and tell her all the hounds will start to roar. The boys all go to hell and then the Cubans hit the floor. They drive along the pipeline, they tangled to their sore. They take apart their nightmares and they leave them by the door. Let me fall out of the window with confetti in my hair. Deal out jacks of better on a blanket by the stairs. I tell you all my secrets, but I lie about my past and send me off to bed forevermore. Forevermore, like the HP Lovecraft, but it's like his version of it in a way. I like the piano because it reminds me of just off a little bit, and then that reminds me of Lydia's. Queen of Siam album, you know, because that time period, it's like the, the New York, like so. <laughs> right. Well, it's always been my goal in life to play like drunken piano. And that's definitely the perfect example of a drunken style piano. It's that's like very it sloppy, but yet it's on time and it has mm-hmm. like, this very hardcore swing to it. Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah. That was, yeah, there's something. And then again, like if you hear 
those instruments in it, they're all old-timey sounding. Like, it's like a saloon. Like, that's what oh, yeah. <laughs> you would like, hear that in a saloon or something. So, it's interesting. Right. Do you have any favorites or you just don't have any favorites in this? I do, but you find another one and then I'll remember <laughs> All it. right. One of my other favorites is Anywhere I Lay My Head. slash hobo yeah and he's like emoting so much emotion through it okay so i'm gonna talk about this one song it's totally the song that really feels out of place it's called the downtown train and when you listen to it you don't really know why it's even on this album Yeah, so listening to that song, it feels like that's what dates this album. Like you could tell that kind of comes from the 80s and stuff. There is a funny story behind that song. What is it? Okay, so... We're going to get right into that right now, Elaine. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so it it is a hit, but not with Tom Waits, but with Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart covered this song, and so did Patti Smith. But the story goes, and I can't find the video for the life of me. I looked everywhere, and I, I watched this video on YouTube about... A year or two ago, and I thought it was so funny because it was always the song I didn't understand why I was on that album at all. And so I guess Bob Seger was the first one to record it, and he was like, "This is going to be a hit. This is going to be the song that is going to like kind of make me big." And I mean, even though he's pretty well known, but it was going to be a pretty big for him. And I guess Rod Stewart happened to be hanging out in the studio at the time. And he heard this song and he was like, I'm going to make this a hit. So Rod Stewart recorded it and released it before him. And it became a hit. And then Bob Seger's version is just nothing. Yeah. It does sound like one of those 80s rock songs, though. So you, why is it on Tom Waits' album? I don't know. He covered it? Like, why no, did no, he... it is Tom Waits' song. Oh, so Tom Waits did it, then Bob Seger is like, I'm going to do it, and then Rod Stewart said, no, I'm going to do it first? Yeah, he released it. Yeah, it sounds like a song that they would have done, though. Yeah, That's weird. totally. 
And the funny thing is, too, is Rod Stewart is really into model trains. So downtown oh. train is totally <laughs> like he would rather do an interview about model trains any day versus talking about his music. What is the obsession with trains with some people? I don't know. Like it never leaves. Like they just hang on forever. It's like probably this weird nostalgic feeling when you're a kid. And so he spends a lot of money on model trains. Yeah. That's (laughs) interesting. (laughs) I went to one of those hobby shops before and they had this big old model train thing and it was so creepy. (laughs) It was so weird. You'll see them at like county fairs sometimes. County fairs, yeah. Like they'll have a room full of people's model train setups. It's just interesting to me. Yeah, and also everything but the girl also has a version of it. And they're all bigger hits than the one that Tom Waits made. Well, he says you're welcome to everybody else. (laughs) Yeah, and also another person that Tom Waits inspired was Heath Ledger for his Joker because he was looking oh. for inspiration for that raspy voice. And there's mm-hmm. these interviews with Tom Waits back in the 80s and 70s where that voice, that raspiness and everything, the way he was acting, it will remind you of Joker. Not the crazy part where he's killing people or anything, but just... <laughs> like the demeanor. Like yeah, demeanor, demeanor and everything. Yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know when this episode is going to be released but if it's raining go ahead and turn it on it's called rain dogs for christ's sake (laughs) i think that explains what a little bit of my hesitation was with it too because it doesn't fit the weather right now (laughs) in the middle of the heat wave but i also felt like it was a tiny bit long really yeah but like i said i just didn't have it for i just I don't know. Yeah. I'll try it again in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, winter times. I when I bought it, this is kind of funny. I bought it over at, at Tower Records in Sonoma. It was on discount for like three bucks because the way it was recorded, it was recorded backwards. So side A started with rain dogs and then it went all the way down to anywhere I lay my head. And then side B was Singapore and the other ones. So for me, if you want to listen to it right, start with 10, go all the way down to 19, and then go up to Singapore. And it sounds a lot better, actually. I'll have to do that. That's too. Truly. Oh, I listened to it wrong on so many levels. Wrong weather, wrong order. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm telling you, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm so used to it, but Mm -hmm. with that accordion and just the way it kind of introduces you to the album, I think it has a lot more bombast to it versus Singapore, Mm -hmm. where it's just like... Singapore is like a... Jug band song. Yes, where Rain Dogs here starts off like this. Inside a broken 
Okay, I get lost in that song, actually. I really like that song, and yeah. I agree. That should be the opening song. <laughs> it is so good. It is it really should. good. It should be the opening song. I also think yeah. everyone should know who Tom Waits is because he is a very unique musician, yeah. so you should just listen to give it a try because it is really interesting music, and then try to pinpoint <laughs> or you would categorize them because it's hard to categorize them. Yeah, and it's really funny because when he says rain dogs, he's kind of barking like a dog throughout that song too, which is really cool. <laughs> so, and then I would also like to just say Amazon Music is terrible. Um, and <laughs> You don't like Amazon that, Music? I got used to Spotify. Oh, my Surprise. God. I've learned Spotify <laughs> okay enough. I'm excited about my mixes they're making me now. So. Oh, it's really nice. They make you mixes? On Spotify. They're like, Elaine's Daily Mix or something. And they take music you've listened to and like give you... Does it really? Yes. Mine never does then, that. But Amazon Music, I don't get anymore. Like, I'm like, how do I find this? Where's that? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So no one is sponsored at this point from Amazon or Spotify. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I really do if they do, I might be nicer. I'm sorry. Yeah, Spotify. Spotify, yeah. Get more music, please. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's all the rights. It's much like the way we stream our anime. Certain companies get the rights to certain songs, and then they won't agree with certain terms that Spotify has or wh- how little they're giving them or whatever. Yeah. And so, unfortunately... We- we don't have this album on Spotify. I had it on there. I was listening to it. It's just so weird how we listen to music now. Yeah. That's all. It's so like different. how you find music and guess it find it. In some ways maybe it's more accessible and in other ways it's not. Like it's very weird. Well, media in general, for me, it's it's a lot harder to find versus even the early mid two thousands. It it drives me insane. And this is like one of the examples. We had to look for it. And I think you said, oh, why don't we just check Amazon Music? And there it was. We're lucky. Yeah, you're right. In the early 2000s, there was a free-for-all. There was a total free-for-all. And then it was fun in college because you could share. Like you could tag into other people's compute, like clouds or whatever we were doing. So you could get, you just had so much access to so much music. Yeah, it's just... It's annoying, and it's just even articles I can't find anymore, certain programs I can't find anymore, and getting anime, people have the heart to do fan subs, and so if you wanted to watch the latest and greatest, people just translate it right away, and you could watch it, and nowadays, you can't do that. It gets crushed. Yeah. Ugh. That's us being old people. Yeah, That's our being, old people rant. I'm being, I'm being crotchety. <laughs> like I always, have, I feel like, I feel like every episode I just have some weird old crotchety. Like it used to be so much better back then. We'll YouTube. make a mix of it. Yeah. <laughs> like what episode of you say that for? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going off on some rant about something. I can't get this anime anymore. Meh, 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 meh. <laughs> well, it's tough out there for us. <laughs> uh. <laughs> What's going to happen when the Great Pretender loses its license or whatever? No, we're going to have to go somewhere else to find it. And if I have to like have one more subscription, I'm going to scream. <laughs> we have two, and that's it. I know. Or no, I just three. Say, you just we start. have three. Amazon, 
Netflix, Funimation, Spotify. Four. Wait, what did you want? Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. It's too much. Four. It's too much. Four. So. No more. Unless you want to sponsor And then you don't own it. You don't own any of it. Nope. They well, you could buy it on license. Amazon. That's and it'll true. stay into your collection. And then Netflix, though, like you said, if it loses the they license, lose yep. licensing or whatever, it's gone. <sighs> you it's see, streaming was supposed to be so much easier and cooler. Mm-hmm. But, but I'm wondering, yeah, I'll have to do some research. Well, yeah, next time we complain about it or I start this rant, maybe we can. You'll hear less complaints when they start sponsoring us. Oh yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll be complain like, this less. This episode was brought to you by Netflix. <laughs> well, we I'm, love okay. You. <laughs> I'm not sandbagging everybody. I just wish no. it was just all on one thing, so we could all be kind of happy and watch whatever the f- we want. And we want access. Yes, <laughs> to, I want to easy access, as like I did in even 2010, which is only—I mm-hmm. mean, not only, but it, which is 10 years ago. I mean, I was able to watch. Helsing, the different version of it, fan subbed, no problem on YouTube. That's pretty cool. I was just thinking, like, what got us like bent out of shape about things is that HBO took over. Oh, uh, Studio Ghibli's Ghibli, stuff. and yeah. so we couldn't watch My Friend Totoro or whatever. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. Oh, so, I haven't seen it, but my movie, like, I there's a video s- store still open where I live. Oh, okay. I think I can rent it. So I can rent it from her, which I would rather give her the money. Yeah, that's where my thing started coming out. (laughs) That's when we started getting, sorry, that's where our huge tantrum about trying to get animes. But we're like, we don't have a subscription to HBO. Like, we don't have that. The way HBO works too, right, is that you could get HBO, but you have to have like Comcast too, so you can watch it. I think so. There might be a way to get it on top of your Prime, Amazon Uh, Prime, but I'm not sure. I'm not going to pay any more than. But it's just more. It's yet another subscription, so it's just frustrating. So you're paying however much for your internet, and now you're paying more. For all these stupid subscriptions, and they don't have everything. Mm-hmm. It'll change again. It keeps changing. So. I, well, yeah, that's the thing. Information online always ends up changing in the long run. But does it change for the better or for the worse? I'm going to say worse right now. Yeah, worse. Get ready. Get ready, children. <laughs> it's just going to go downhill. Anyway. Check out Rain Dogs. <laughs> Check out Rain Dogs. You have to in the rain to when, it's, when it's raining. <laughs> and start with Rain Dogs. Go to the end and then go from Singapore and then da da da. Yeah, that's what I highly recommend. All right, you can find me on all social medias under Glitch Unicorn, and you can find me on Instagram as Sister Santos. All right, peace. Bye.